Johnson with the Badass Records Podcast. Here to remind you that new episodes are out Thursdays. Follow the podcast on uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Find it where you stream. Check out badassrecordspodcast.com and find everything you need to know there. You can also hit me with an email message at badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com if you would like to inquire about doing an in-person episode with me here in Kansas City. Um, Last but not least, go vote, please. Uh, Best of Pitch KC's finals. Uh, You can vote at vote.thepitchkc.com. Find Arts and Entertainment, Best Local Podcast, and then Badass Records to cast your vote. That's all I got for you today. Thank you for stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Um, this would wind up being episode 83 if awesome. there's no uh, kinks or bugs to work out. Uh, Till Willis, Badass Records Podcast. Appreciate you being here, coming in from uh, LFK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the way in which you know correspondence has gone with strangers to set this up is like, all over the place. Sure. And we, I think, were messaging on Instagram in like May, yeah, perhaps. Back and, then sometime. And you were like, um, I'm going out to Colorado for the summer to gig. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Uh, yeah. Um, but we'll touch base when that's all. And then the other day, boom, there you were. You're like, yeah. hey. I was like, no way. Yep, I'm, Sweet. I'm back. <laughs> um, so um, I've... Uh, done as much digging as i think i can do i've I've, so you've got you've been gigging since i have been gigging since i was uh 12 years old 12 years old and i'm 43 okay so what i found was solo till willis gigs which instagram pics look like that was mostly what was happening that's most of my summer okay i did do a couple of uh band things with the band from lawrence came out and we did a full band till willis and erratic cowboy erratic cow so and then you yeah that's our just uh, surprised me with this yeah that's our last album that came out um that came out um grinding of the stars uh that came out last last year okay very handsome and you said you're pressing these yourself well yeah i mean we don't have a label so it's right uh, it's doing it all so what does that entail uh, you know, uh, mostly money. <laughs> okay, you're not um, up there with like a machine. Oh, no, actually, I don't, okay. I don't have those skills. Okay, um, but no, you I actually all the vinyl. Um, I've been using a place uh, called Got a Groove out of Ohio. That sounds cool. Um, I went with them because they were highly rated for having good customer service. Okay, um, they're not a middleman because there's a lot of places that'll be just a middleman for, you know, sending your stuff off to the Czech Republic or something to okay. be pressed. Okay. And, you know, not that that's a bad thing, but, but, but if then freight, need, if something happens, getting in touch with the person to correct that could be an issue. And I knew some bands that had had issues with that. And when they've pressed like yeah. 500, or they're rep- like, Hey, something's wrong with this test pressing and I can't get in touch anybody on oh, the phone. No, to be like, thank you. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, yeah, out of Ohio, got a groove. They've, Is they've it uh, got a groove or G O T T A? G O T T A. Okay, got a, got a groove. Um, 
and yeah, they've, they've always been great. Great customer service. The product's always been great. Nice. So, you know. so like, is there, um, like, this is how much it's for 500 and this is how much for a thousand or is it tiered uh, like that? They are. Most okay. are. Um, the other thing I like about them is they'll let me do, uh, just a hundred at a time. Okay. Okay. And then, I mean, let's face it, having a hundred records sitting around as an independent artist, that's a lot to to inventory to be sitting on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, so, and you know, if you sell those, you just, you press more. Sure. And so they ship them to your home or Mm -hmm. wherever. And then do they, when it shows up, is it, is it in good shape? The overall? Oh yeah. It's just, you know, they triple box everything. Okay. It's, it's all very professionally done and I I have nothing but good things to say about them. Nice. then shipping things out is my responsibility. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, so um, that's Till Will- so solo Till Willis gigs. That's the the record we were just looking at. Till Willis and Erratic Cowboy. That's my rock band. Yeah. Okay, out of Lawrence. Out of Lawrence. But yeah. then there's also Concrete Cedars. Concrete Cedars is something relatively new. Okay, um, we got together and did our first gig back in may that is um a 100 percent improvisational uh instrumental experimental um you know we're calling it country ambient okay uh I, my friend selvage who's a um ambient noise artist um and then what a title a guitar player <laughs> do you I, think the other, this is business card yeah, say that <laughs> I, yeah i always listed as you know sonic manipulations oh, okay okay um yeah i've loved his stuff for a long time and we've collaborated before and then this other guitar player bradley mckellop who actually plays uh, in erratic cowboy with okay me, and then he plays with the rose line and um a bunch of other people I was like, that's the three of us just get together. I just want to play percussion. I, I'm the guitar player, songwriter who loves drums, and I oh, collect wow. those. So I, I'm like, I'm going to play these two 30-inch bass drums and just some other superfluous percussion. Cool. And then Brad is doing, um, he uses a no-input mixer to uh, generate sound loops that way, and then also doing some lap steel stuff and then selvage doing uh all of his his manipulations with synths and things like that and that's just kind of 100 percent improvisational um the first the first uh thing it makes me think of is can oh yeah i love can okay like i mean are you guys like grew are you jamming no we're not doing it so much of that ours is more soundscapey okay um that's what it fits it's like an experimental noise uh punk landscapes and these yeah it's it's just its own thing man. okay right on um, we're just decided to make it improvisational that way there's no rehearsal we'll only do a few gigs a year and cool um one just, of your we just put out our first full length is that yeah there was a there's two two singles and two a full singles length and a full length all here just a handful of months ago right yeah 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 uh, and then i've got a folk duo i'm in called solo hawk okay that's the one you're mentioning just yeah. a, okay and so that's with a, a songwriter friend of mine out of denver okay and um we've released two full length albums and a bunch of singles because in 2020 when we couldn't go anywhere or do anything right <laughs> uh during the first time they said lockdown 
he and I are on the phone and he says, Hey, uh, maybe we should, uh, put out something new once a month until this lockdown thing is over. Well, we know how that turned out. <laughs> and uh, it'll just be next week. Some, somewhere, yeah, somewhere around October of that year. I'm like, okay, well, we got to get this together to put something out because we were writing and then, you know, he would recording parts distantly to send it to put out either a single or an EP. Or, right. And he's like, why do you keep making me do this? And I was like, well, that was your idea. <laughs> motherfucker what are you talking about i I tend to be one of those people that if you you know you give me the ball and tell me to make it work i will try to facilitate it to the right 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 um it's a good quality we we put out a lot that that time and then uh, we get together and uh tour and play you know a handful of shows a year wow Um, okay so that that, that's solo hawk that's solo hawk and there is a a digital footprint you can they can be found yeah i mean you can stream solo hawk spotify apple music we're on Bandcamp. okay i mean there's you can get does it, do all of these outfits have their own Bandcamp? uh yes okay well and, i my solo stuff and and erratic cowboy is all just under my name okay Willis. okay I'm, they're on Bandcamp. and then concrete cedars has its own concrete cedars has its own up and, and then are you having are you managing all three of the i am not doing the concrete cedars one okay um, okay well, that was one I kind of have stepped back and been like, okay, I'm just playing percussion and occasionally helping record some of Fair that. enough. <laughs> and sometimes you want to just wear one hat. Well, yeah. You and know. then the other times, like, I'll take six. You yeah, know. exactly. You know. So born in Mississippi? I was born in Mississippi. And, um, and then folks jet out to Colorado? Yep, yep. Right before I turned 12, my parents moved to Colorado. So, And where did they? Where did you all land? Uh, Uray, Colorado. And That's like southwestern corner down of course. in Telluride and Durango. Which, but know. not a place where, you know, folks tr- moved to, I mean, no, so to speak. No, I mean, it was my, my father is a, a visual artist. He's a wood sculptor and a wood turner. Okay. And uh, he had a gallery there for over you know twenty five years. Really, um, so it was a great place for him to sell artwork. And yeah, it was you know my mother was a elementary school teacher. Okay, you know good school system for my brother and I, and and so she was able to get a teaching gig, yeah. and your father was able to do art. That's why we moved wow. there. And um, how did they know about that place from Mississippi? I um, my godparents went to college with some people who had moved there. Okay. And uh, we went out on a skiing trip to Telluride. Okay. So my parents could take a look at the place. Nice. They liked it, and then we went back that summer because they wanted to see it in the summertime. And really, that's your raised busiest time is Uh summer since there's no ski resort there. Right. They loved it. (laughs) Then we moved back, and, you know... um, it was, you know, it's a very small town. Yeah. Year-round population around 900 people. Um, Even now? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's probably 1,200 now. Okay. But it's just so small. There's now, no there's a lot of part-time residents and sure. a lot of tourists that ha- ism that happens there. So it's very busy and crowded in the summer and even more so now. Yeah. It has been. Dude. Um, and then, which was, it was, it was a great kind of safe environment for bringing kids up, but that kind of small town can be extremely stifling. 
Oh, yeah. The older you get. Okay. Um, and by the time most people hit, you know, senior year of high school, you were ready to get out of it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, for, for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, and because of that, you know, I started performing live um, when I was 12 years old, but really doing it consistently by 13. Okay. Um, and I wanted to have a band. I wanted to do more, but I was just there by myself, so I had to just play solo. Sure. And so, so much of my performance over the years has been just as a solo player. Right. I just didn't have access to musicians. So you're playing solo that. live at 13 in your yes. A, and then this summer you also played solo <laughs> live. I mean, there, yeah. are there people that, like, we've been watching this kid for... Oh yeah. yeah, however many years. Oh yeah, that came to see. Oh yeah, and support or whatever. Oh totally. Cool man. Yeah. Totally. So how did mom and dad meet? Uh, my parents are both from Mississippi, and um, you know, it was the seventies, man, and that was when they came together. Okay. I was uh, I was not. My parents were married in 77. I came along in 1980. Okay. They had kind of given up on having kids. Like, maybe it's not for us. You have zero siblings. I have a younger brother. Okay. Had a younger brother. But uh, by the time I came in 80, they kind of said, well, it's okay. Maybe if we don't have kids, there are lots of other things we can do. And sure. decided to just, maybe it just wasn't meant to be for us. My dad broke ground on building our home there. And six weeks later, my mom's like, guess what? <laughs> my dad said, okay, I've got nine months to finish this house, which he did. And, uh, yeah. Wow. And then four years later, my brother was born. Okay. And just a minute ago, you said had. Is he? Uh, yeah, he passed away in 2015. Damn. A younger brother. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear no. that. Yeah. Um, so, mom's elementary school teacher dad's a visual artist are they music folks are they putting on music to listen to in the home when you're oh yeah they both love music okay what kind of stuff were they into um so one of my dad's big ones was the allman brothers okay uh he saw the allman brothers when they were hourglass he saw the allman brothers when they were the allman joys i didn't even know this either is, of those yes, names existed all before they were the allman okay brothers. wow and uh, I think for like him and a lot of people of his generation uh, in the South, you know, the Allman Brothers were kind of like the first somewhat of a home team they had to root for. It's kind of like when you go down South, you know, it doesn't matter where you live, just about everybody's going to be a Saints fan because mm. it's the closest like right. home team to right. root for. Yeah. I think that's kind of how my dad was with the Allman Brothers. I was like, oh man, we finally have this rock band that, Represents yeah. our region or whatever. Yeah. And um, so that was a big one for him and, and the band. Yeah. Um, he was big into the band. Uh, who, somebody, yeah, Robbie. Robbie Robertson just passed away like from that. A few weeks ago. I mean, a month yeah, or something. something. Like yeah. That. Then uh, my mom, uh, she's seven years younger than my dad. And it was a little slight difference. She was, her big one was Neil Young. Okay. She has been in love with Neil Young since she was 17 years old. My kind of lady. I lo <laughs> love me some Neil Young. And uh, so she, you know, there's lots of Neil Young there and that sort of thing. Joni Mitchell. Sure. 
um, a lot of that Laurel Canyon sound. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they they loved music. Um, they weren't as adventurous as I became okay. about listening to music, but they certainly encouraged me to cool. be. Cool. Cool. Sometimes I think they kind of regretted that, but <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what you, the hell is this? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in like, you know, when a, when a kid does have, uh, folks that play music in the home and then, so that's just, you know, it's like a piece of furniture. Oh yeah. Like this is the, Oh, you know, these are the song, whatever. But then eventually you're like, you step out and and so i'm is there an album that was a, a first love or a first attraction or acquisition for you as as your own kind of person outside of mom and dad's umbrella um, you know outside of their umbrella it wasn't totally outside their umbrella but it was a little i think um shocking for them mm. I was six years old when I proclaimed that Bob Dylan was my favorite uh, musician ever. Heck yeah. I became just a, a huge diehard fan, and my parents were a little perplexed that the six-year-old is relating to <laughs> Bob Dylan, but I was. Right. Um, uh, and so the first two albums I ever had were uh, had cassette tape of uh, Bob Dylan Greatest Hits Volume 1 and the Rolling Stones, Hot Rock 64 to 71. Oh, wow. So the Stones and Dylan have been kind of... Top of my list cool. for a very long time. Very cool. Um, but yeah, quick story. You know, my parents play in music. My um, grew up in the woods down in Mississippi. We're on the backside of 40 acres of family-owned land that backs up to a huge pasture. Hunting season occurs. And occasionally we would get people wandering onto our land, which worried my parents because they had two small children playing outside in the woods oh yeah they're shooting they're not just wandering no, they're shooting yes. Jeez, yeah of course and so uh one time it was particularly bad and my mom moved their big stereo speakers out onto the deck and um put on pearl by janice joplin and cranked it to 11 okay <laughs> and let it play through an entire side and when it got done she shouts, see if you can find a fucking deer now. <laughs> nice. Nice. Smart. So, there's mom. Music is a weapon. Too. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm also interested in uh, a first concert or, or first memorable concert, which is probably a different animal for you if you're a performer by well, 12 or 13. No, I. Uh, my parents took me to things. Okay. Um. You know, they have a picture of me in uh, 1982 uh, at the World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. And they needed a place. I was getting fussy, and they needed a place for me to lay down. They're like, there's some music happening over here in shade of a tree. Let's just go over there. Sure. And there's this one gentleman just solo playing his electric guitar. They enjoyed it. My dad bought a record from the guy and got him to autograph it. Cool. And about six months later, my dad said he was watching Johnny Carson, and there's the guy who bought the record. No from. way. It was, it was Stanley Jordan who did all the, the tap jazz okay. stuff. Yeah. And so I have a copy of his first album. Autograph? That he was selling himself. Autograph. Wow. wow. Um, uh, so they took me to things all the time. Uh, but the first one I like bought tickets to and went to, I was 14 and went to see... Uh, 
actually my dad and I went to see the Allman Brothers okay. at Red Rocks. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, I saw them there uh, summer of 95 um, at Rusted Root open for them. That's the show. Really? I was at that show. I mean... Was there? Are you serious? I was. Yeah, Rusted Root was, was the opening. Was there? Act. Was there a full moon? I. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there literally it may was. Have been. I also, don't remember that, but I was just my first time at Red Rocks. First time seeing a big show like that. I was like, you know, wow. I feel like like Rusted Root kind of blew the almonds doors off that particular night. Now I don't know if that was just my mindset or if you know, but I don't. And I, you know. In, in my classic rock life, have loved the Allman Brothers. Sure. Um, you know, I've never been like a, a diehard fan, but sure. I've always really appreciated what they, their own oh, twist, yeah. their own I flavor, mean, their own style. For me, it's just, uh, it's so much a part of my childhood growing up that I think my affinity for them uh, is is rooted in that so much more than just like you said being a fanatic or right a diehard yeah. fan but anytime it comes on i'm like oh yeah it's allman brothers and yeah Dwayne yeah. allman was a kick-ass guitar yeah. player you yeah know? Um, so. wow that's wild i know that's that yeah i was at that show because i moved out in uh may of 94 to estes park okay and was just gonna be there for the summer and work at the Y and then come home and, and I was like, and why would I go back? So I stayed and <laughs> took a year off and got residency and was like, you know, uh, kind of last minute. Um, I got to decide CSU Fort Lewis. And it was like, I've been up near Fort Collins for a year and a half. I let's go see what's down. So that was the only, and cause they were equal in price, sure. you know, CU was not, an option, but so I'd seen a show um, that right when I moved out there in, in June of 94 and was like, wow, this play. And then so the following summer, got tickets to Rusted Root and Allman Brothers. And again, I mean, it's a magical place. Oh, like, it is. I've seen so many shows there over the years. And but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. The same show. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so, um, Till Willis, Till Willis and Erratic Cowboy, Concrete Cedars, and Solo Hawk are the outfits that you're currently yeah. in. Their stuff can be, all of it can be, some stuff from all of them can be streamed or purchased. Yeah, yeah. Con all of it can be purchased somewhere. Concrete Cedars right now is just through the Bandcamp page. But Solo Hawk, Till Willis and Erratic Cowboy, my solo stuff is streamable through just about any platform. And cool. So you're gigging at twelve thirteen. Is it is it an acoustic guitar? Like yeah. what? Okay, yeah, just an acoustic guitar. And I, you know, at that point, I, you know, I, I, I did a lot of covers, like you do, starting out. I, um, but I always knew I wanted to write my own stuff, so I kind of started doing that early on. And as I had new songs, I would add them in and take out covers until I was doing. 75% original stuff. Um, and then by the time I graduated high school, I was just doing original material. I mean, my daughter's going to be 13 in December. Um, she, like, I, there's not a way in which I can imagine even a shred of the confidence 
well, to go up on stage and play for a crowd and I eventually was, get to a spot where you're like, this one I wrote myself, you know, or, and all the things that you say. I was a very shy kid. Okay. I was a kid that, that liked to sit in the back of the classroom sure. and hope I didn't get called on. Right. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a singer and performer from the time I was little. Wow. Um, but I didn't tell anybody that because it was like I didn't know how to do it. And then out of the blue, uh, when I was 12, my dad just bought me a guitar and a Mel Bay book on how to play for Christmas. He says, if you learn, great. And if not, maybe your brother will. Right. He's like, I know you like singing. Here you go. <laughs> and Your dad sounds pretty awesome. I taught myself those seven basic chords out of that book uh, within like a week. Nice. And, um, you know, so that's Christmas. And then by the spring concert at school, uh, I performed in front of people for the first time doing Blowing in the Wind. Wow. And Sticking with that Dylan. Yeah, well, you know, it's what I, I it was into at the time and still am. Right. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, once I got to where I could do it all, I just, Forcing myself to be an extrovert was just part of what I had to do in order to do this thing that I had this deep love for. It's almost like an extra wrinkle to your adolescence. It's, it's like, I've got to do this. I've got to get up in front of people. We've got to push and huh. do this. And, uh, you know, and eventually it, it just became who I was. Right. And, and Zero I, nerves today? No. No, it doesn't bother me to get up and do whatever. So Nice. Um you know, now parking that's a whole other story <laughs> I, I can have tons of anxiety around right, parking right. at the gig <laughs> that. Know? but well you got to do it probably multiple times parked for where you're going to unload yeah, from or and just then... like it's just you know that's that's where my anxiety okay. comes in it's like oh god am i going to get there in time where am i going to find a park how yeah. am i going to load this gear in it you know and, you know but you know. so acoustic guitar now you're in these different outfits and in one of them you're uh, doing doing percussion, have, have have there been other instruments along your were you ever into bass or? I can play bass. Okay. Um, guitar and harmonica are my main instruments. You wear a thing, yeah, at yeah. the same time. My dad could blow a little blues harp, and so he taught me how to do that when I was about four. So okay. I guess harmonica was my first instrument. Okay, um, and I'm the most comfortable in guitar and harmonica. Uh, but yeah, over the years I've played bass on live and on records and i've percussion and drum full drum sets and i can play a little enough piano to embarrass myself you can sit down at a kit and yeah just yeah, okay and, um, mandolin i've done a little bit oh wow of, uh, mainly how for, big is this music room of yours <laughs> it's not a very big house okay. we have like a 1920 bungalow style okay home. okay it's just packed with stuff. i bet packed with stuff yeah but, and, um, but you have free license to do with it as you yeah and i've recorded please. other bands and stuff there as well oh there's a there's gear in there too oh yeah i do okay. all of our recording okay yeah, so, nice yeah. very nice Keep, keeping the overhead down <laughs> there you go <laughs> um let's see here um so you've i mean this has been um what you've done? I mean, have you ever been a nine to five dude? Or yeah, I've okay. had some jobs. Okay, I've, I worked as a substitute teacher for seven years in Colorado. Where? At the uh, the same high school I went to. <laughs> okay, um, nice. Yeah, you know, play gigs around that. And sure. I've worked, you know, been a janitor. Uh, you know, worked at a gas station. Those kind of things. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, mostly this has been your profession. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, mostly. I'll tell you a funny gig I had once. It was a summer job I took. I was running lights for a show called Broadway to Branson. And Sounds it was familiar. like, a, it was like a, a total Branson-y style show where like the, the same corny jokes are in the same place three shows a day and I had to sit in the lighting booth and know the lighting cues and oh I paid well especially for that time period I'm and, sure you know being I think I was like 15 at the time and I got to where I knew the cues lighting cues so well I could sit there with headphones on listening to something else and still hit all the lighting cues wow. I was so tired of hearing these dumb, I bet. dumb songs and dumb jokes like, you, you wow. get start getting mad at the people that are laughing at them it's not like, funny oh, it's not funny you people <laughs> golly wow you know um so you know for you to uh, reside in lawrence with your wife and, and be in the projects that you're in uh, here in the area but then to also jet out to Colorado. i mean it's your the existence of your roots out there are why you can make that happen i mean yeah where are you staying how are you booking um I mean, so and oh, how many shows did you do over the summer um i was doing two to three shows a week um from like mid-may until you know the end of august okay um whatever that amounts to i mean a lot um yeah you know? it, yeah it's but to be away from home you know yeah uh so my parents still have a place there, so they get grandparent time. Okay. They get to hang okay. Out with my daughter. Nice. Um, my wife has a standing job out there, uh, working at the library, and then yeah, I just so many of these places in this area I've played in that either people already know me, right, or you can literally text them, or they yeah, hey, I'm gonna be in town, and they and they will be like, okay, we'll give you this date, this date, and this date, or they I call them up or, or email or whatever and they're like oh yeah i know we we heard your name mentioned by so and so so yeah we can get you in here for that and, and you know so it wasn't stressful no i mean it's 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 not it's stressful getting it all coordinated sure. logistically sure. and getting it planned out um, i mean you must have to depart like are you somebody looking after your home do you have like a six page checklist of things <laughs> kind of I and mean, and in addition to all that it's figuring out you know, what projects do I want to work on this summer that I've got to take with me? Um, like I had a couple of mixing projects for some other people I had to take care of. Wow. Um, I'm currently mixing, uh, actually just got done with mixes for a new erratic cowboy album, which oh, cool. hopefully will be out next year. Full length. Yeah. This, uh, what, what number will this be for erratic cowboy? Let's see. One, two, three, four, uh, I think this will be like the sixth. Okay, cool. I think. <laughs> um, so, I mean, do you pull a trailer? No. Okay. Nope, everything gets crammed in the Subaru. Two adults, one kid, a dog, and -uh. clothing and the stuff needed to do it. Oh, yeah. All your, like, I mean, you're not taking, P they have PA. I, well, and... no, I carry a small PA. I've got a little bows I use. But, yeah, and then the guitars and merch. And so most of the back of the car is what I need to perform and do stuff. Okay. And then you take the topper and stick all our clothes up there. There you go. That's the only way that kid, works. Kid and you... the dog in the back seat. Wow, hey, man. You know. That's awesome. Caravan it up. And um, how old's your daughter? 
Six. Okay. So, I mean, she's not to the spot yet where she has like preferences about what she'd rather be doing. I mean, she can be happy well, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's not doing camps and play other, dates no, and sleepovers. The other half of the car is the toys she wants to Oh, take. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just kick it with your folks and kind of jet up here for a gig and jet yeah. back and have a home base. And yeah. nice. Very nice. Yeah. It sounds, I mean, is this the first summer you've done that? No, or? no. Uh, no, we've done that uh, every summer since I moved to Lawrence in 2009. Wow. Okay. Very impressive. And yeah. everybody looks forward to yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I suppose, you know, you kind of need everybody to be on board otherwise. <laughs> oh, everybody loves it out there. Oh, I uh, bet, man. Cool. Yeah, we're very fortunate that we get to do it. Very cool. Um, well, you were, uh, kind enough to give me a list, um, and, you know, uh, like the communication with folks, lists can be all over the place. Um, sometimes I'm like, I don't know any, <laughs> like, I don't even know sure. which is the album title and which is the artist. I got to figure that out. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get, not everything is for everybody, right? you know, so sometimes you get some stuff and it's like, oh man, that was a, getting through that was something. <laughs> and then sometimes, uh, there are lists that, uh, I really am challenged to tamper down my, my geeked outness sure, for, sure. and yours is one of those. Ah, okay. Um, so I will listen if necessary sure. to the album. Uh, try, try to take a note or two about the band, try to take a note or two about the record. And sometimes I can be um, like under control and keep <laughs> things brief. And sometimes I can't. Hey. Um, so, you know, I'm going to clumsily make my way through these and please interrupt and cut me off and change something, wherever. Let's talk about some records. Okay. Um, so, and I will usually, I like to go through them chronologically and okay. release order, which which means we get to start with Tom Waits. All righty. Um, and speaking of gigging, I uh, had a good, good college buddy uh, down at Fort Lewis who was in a oh, band nice. called Bone Machine, and, and this was for their gig at the San Juan Room in Durango. Awesome. Um, I, I like to give uh, my buddy Ben Green uh, shouts out because he's currently in Austin and plays... Um, not is it lap steel if it's part of a, a t like a table? Does it have pedals on it or not? I can I can never see the pictures. See, some some of the lap steels don't have. If it doesn't have the pedals, the foot pedals and the knee pedals. Okay, then it's just a lap steel. Okay, but I mean legs. this is even if it has legs. it looks like a piece of furniture. Yeah, it can. that he sits at. Um, but if it has the pedals, I mean that's a pedal steel, and okay. both are both are super cool. Uh, anyway, he's at Ben Green with an E on the end um, and gigs uh, quite a bit. Awesome. Uh, and, and anyway, um, and, and I was prompted to dig that out because not too terribly long, well, about 20 episodes ago now, uh, I had a repeat guest come on and we did the whole Tom Waits discography. I saw that. And it was like, I was like, yeah. And it was, and then it was 17. I was like, bro. And what at one point felt a little daunting ended up being <laughs> so freaking rewarding because I every album is great. Well, I've I've got I've I had a couple or three, I probably had five or six on cassette of his, um, and I've so I've had a couple or three favorites over the years, but like some had 
like uh, so much time had gone by that I started to jumble what tracks are on what record. Oh, yeah. And then I put on like, you know, um, whatever, Nighthawks. And, and it's like, fucking every song on this is amazing. And then, and then like, I really not, you know, sometimes I'll be way into something and then I'll drift. Like I was way, way, way into Medeski, Martin Wood through their first like five. And then they got like late nineties and it was so much experimental. I was like, I can't hang. With I really this. loved the album that uh, they did with Iggy pop Avenue B. I don't even know about that one. Oh man. So How? That was like 96, I believe. Okay. And they were, they backed up Iggy for okay. this album called Avenue B, which is great. Iggy does a lot of spoken word stuff, but then they like, um, you know, they, they do some really cool stuff on there too. Sure. Huge. So like I got, you know, swordfish trombones, oh, yeah. Frank's wild years. And I'm like, I am struggling to hang on to me, but I didn't, I was, that was many years ago as a, as a young person in my twenties. Sure. So to like the whole, it's kind of like his discography, the 17 is like three thirds yeah, you got the first chunk, and then Kathleen is part of it, the, and then all mm-hmm. the and like I was like, N- this newer stuff is probably not going to be amazing. No, Wrong. Yeah. I, oh, oh. I got into Tom Waits um, through a Sean Colvin record. Oh, wow. Um, she did an album called Cover Girl. Uh huh. And uh, on it, she covers the Heart of Saturday Night. Okay. Um, I actually just. That record turned me on to uh, quite a few different people, nice, uh, including Willis Allen Ramsey and okay. some others. But so after that, I go out and I buy a CD at the time of the uh, of um, Heart of Saturday Night, okay. which I actually just recently picked up uh, an original vinyl copy of. I nice found that, uh, for decent price. Okay, um, love that album. Thought that was just great. Um, and then not long after that, I, I heard uh, an interview with uh, Jacob Dylan talking mm. about one album he thought everybody should own and hear was Closing Time, Tom Waits first. Got that. I album. love that album. Oh, it, same with, with Heart of Saturday Night. I mean, it, they're just beautiful. Yes. It, Tom at his like jazziest, best kind of Man. element. So then... Uh, you know, and like, like you know, at that particular time period, we couldn't just have access to anything. It was kind of whatever was available at whatever you know music store you went into. <laughs> yeah. So I've got closing time. I've got you know, hard of Saturday night. Go in the music store. I'm like, I'm loving this Tom Waits stuff. Um, and I see an album called Bone Machine, which you know. If you've never heard it, it couldn't be further from those first two Tom Waits records. <laughs> no, not at all. But that's you know, the smoothest, purest. Oh yes. He's like, I have talent, but I don't know who I am yet. <laughs> but I definitely should record some stuff. You know, it's like those are the those are the two that like you know you've seen you know the beautiful princess in the castle window, and it's like ah oh, there she is. And Bone Machine is when you get up close and realize she's been dead for the last thirty years. You right. Know? Right. Um. So I get this, and I I. I you know, teenager, you know, no kidding. Yeah. And, um, I was with my mother and my brother and we get back in the car and I unwrap this CD and I put it in the player and, you know, 
the earth died screaming comes <laughs> on. And my mother and my brother are kind of like are polite and don't say anything. Dirt in the ground comes on. They're kind of like, huh. It gets to, you know, such a scream. And uh, my brother goes, what the hell is this? This guy can't sing. And my mom goes, yeah, I don't understand why you want to even listen to this. And their kind of reticence to just accept what I knew was brilliant uh, made me dig my heels in and love it all the more. Sure. <laughs> right there. I'm like, okay. You know, I think who wants to listen to rock and roll if your parents really like it? Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> This is one of, so this is, uh, 92, um, set 11 out of 17 for him, uh, 16 tracks, 53 minutes. Definitely one of these that I was like, we're going to have to put that aside and uh, revisit it at another era of life. He was an artist and I guess there were quite a few at that time period that really, really, really took advantage of just how much you could cram on a CD minute wise. Sure. You know, cause I think, you know. 16 tracks here we've got like 70 some minutes of music um yeah but that doesn't really you know generally speaking i know what you mean but that doesn't even really scratch the surface of what he put in a record like because it's like one of these things where you know listen five listen six listen seven it's almost like you can start it's just it's like it's not like all the, I don't know how to. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm seeing color hues, like some reds and blacks that jive with this. And then, you know, some kind of Jamaican (laughs) Cuban kind of thing. Uh And it's almost kind of like a, you know, like a time lapse. And eventually you're like, Oh, what I always loved about Tom Waits, his early days, he could always do it lyrically. Right. But as he got into Hilarious uh, the lyrics. 80s with like, you know, heart attack and vines, swordfish trombones, rain dogs, all, machine, all up to his current stuff, that's when he started being able to paint pictures sonically. And he wasn't doing it like this album paints a picture. For him, for me anyway, every song is its own little movie with its own little atmosphere. Oh, world. yeah. Okay. Okay. And I love that. Yeah. Um, and you, know. you get, you know, sort of along the same lines, but also wildly different. The later stuff, I, I really loved Mule Variations. Oh, yeah. And then there's one. Real Gone is one of is, my there's one favorites. That's, it might be that that's brown. The cover's brown, and um, this one's got kind of the the uh, red and black cover with the splatter oh, letters that say Tom Waits. Real yeah. Gone. It had like Top of the Hill and Sins of My Father and Come on up know. to the house. Uh, no, that's a that's Mule Variation. That is Mule. Okay, that is Mule Variation. But so like that song. Oh. I like. I was like, I you you have been so many different people, but I never would have pegged you for like uh, this romantic nostalgia. And of course, it's a Tom Waits delivery. Well, so it's it's. But I, man, I have always felt like Mule Variations was Tom Waits' soul record. That is a soul record. <laughs> so good. It, oh man, yeah, just uh, incredible. I, I had somebody one time I was mentioning that I, I dug Tom Waits and they go, well, I've always wondered this and maybe you can answer it. What the hell is the song Filipino box spring hog about? <laughs> and I went, 
It's about cooking a pig in the ground, roasting it in the ground. Like, nice. Anyway, people do that. I'm like, yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. I grew up when my parents had family friends that it was like, that was kind of like, you know, oh, it's Labor Day. Yeah. They're going to be roasting a pig yeah. all day. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I landed, that was um, episode 64, and I landed on that actually because I had a former colleague over, uh, he did an episode with me, and then he was like, you should reach out to my son, he knows a lot about music, and I was like, seriously? And so we connected, he came, he did um, an LCD sound system record, um, I'd have to look, but small change. Oh. Was so we talked to Tom Waits, and then that led to, and I was just like, in his first episode, I was like, this is gonna sound weird, but I really love Tom Waits, but I have like almost no Tom Waits friends, so I like never have an opportunity to talk about him to anybody. <laughs> oh, man, he's one of my all-time favorites. So it's always cool when you do get to, you know <laughs> you probably come across more oh, yeah. folks than well, I do. Well, no, but even then, it's like there's a lot of people that. They turn off with the voice. They do. It's gravel. Well, people have always said that to me about Bob Dylan, right? Who I love, yep. Chris Christopherson, who okay. I love. Like, there's a lot of people that I love. That well, I, but the voice. And yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> this I would rather hear this than anybody that you right? think can sing well. Right. Well, anyway, um, you know, there's a, a when you multiple typically for you know each of his 17 records multiple points of interest oh, yeah. i mean like i the first time i was you know going through uh notes for this one i was like les claypool and keith richards <laughs> I know, what right? are you right? kidding me um and not his first time with keith either no because no. keith is back on rain dogs you know with like black mariah and stuff and, and uh allegedly uh jesse Dylan mm -hmm. took the picture. Yeah, and which he, I didn't even know he existed. Yeah, it's like you know Jacob. He but. did. Uh, he he's done Bone Machine. He also did the photographs for uh, Blood Money. Okay. He directed the video for God's Away on Business. Oh wow. Um, he's done lots of music video stuff, and uh, but yeah, he and Tom have worked together a couple times. I've noticed. Um, so while in Durango, uh, you know, I, I, you've probably been there or can picture it for sure uh you know there's a, a strip of like uh you know maine uh, the heart of maine is like college or sixth up to like 12th yep. it's a real it, and it's over oh, yeah. but <laughs> southwest sounds was oh, my yeah. music store um and hal used to own he used, he used to ride his 10 speed there and you know he, he it's like when i start shopping there he's stocking decent amount of cassettes and over the years that i'm living there it's smaller and smaller it got to the point where like regular old releases he would have to special order and he would just he was like i could just see it like fucking would you just you know but there was a girl that worked there her name escapes me right now but she was a very um she was a student at fort lewis with me um very uh she didn't have uh she was all her volume was all, always at 11 and she always wanted to talk music wherever you you know and it's a good thing to have if you work in a music well store. yeah but i mean it was fun and so and just the mannerisms that she had my roommate and i wound up referring to her as lovingly as peppermint patty because it was kind of like 
hey chuck you know and she had that kind of the anyway she knew her uh grammy knowledge like like i was like i wow the first time i, I was like wait what I, and then every time i saw her an artist would you know oh they won you know and i was just like what a funny thing to be and i was and then eventually i was like i guess you know we do covet oscars and tonys and emmys and so it it is it there is some value i know that it. that record store you're talking about uh we went there on a um a school trip one time over to durango okay and we got to walk around for a bit uh i was probably well, 14 and I remember going in that music store and uh, I bought a CD copy of Four Way Street by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Oh, wow. Okay. In that store. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, um, so it's 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 just never made any sense to me until it did. Oh, and okay. it's like, so I can say Bone Machine won a Grammy for Best Alternative um and that it means something you yeah. know it means something different to everybody but it's it's if these are the people sure that are making the decisions that this piece of art is great yeah, i yeah. mean you can totally say i don't care but i think i mean oh man um and if you're really going to give it to something uh, for alternative i mean you don't get much more alternative than tom waits bone machine no because <laughs> cause I think most folks are age-ish yeah. alternative and you think like uh, the 90s yeah. stuff yeah, I don't know. You know I don't know those bands but well I mean I think you would it starts getting around that time period of 92 and all that if you were to say alternative a lot of people confuse it with like the grungier stuff yes, and it's yes. like there's Nirvana there's yes. Alice in Chains yeah. you know um, Jane's Addiction um, that sort of thing. But it, this is like, it's one thing I've always loved about Tom Waits. He's kind of uncategorizable. <laughs> no. He is his own bin at the record store. He just does his thing. And, and, and actually a lot of my favorite artists have always been that way. Cool. Like, I mean, you look at somebody like David Bowie, David mm. Bowie is just David Bowie. I know how <laughs> he, he has can't, touched everything. He, all of his albums can't be in the same no. thing at the store. No. There's, uh -uh. You know, it's like a map, you know, Oh, I got to go over to the, yeah. Oh, he did this weird little psychedelic post punk. Yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. over here. There's this, this thing. There's the, yeah, it's mm -hmm. just, it's all over. Um, well, uh, we go from uh, 92 to 93 and from uh, a record that is not, you know, I couldn't like wear it like a blanket and, and, and pass a test on it <laughs> like I could a few other Tom, but I do love it. And we're moved. So the, yeah. we're moving to one that I've never been able to love. Okay. And that's uh, Exile and Guyville, ah, Liz Fair. I still have my cassette copy as well. I was. And a CD copy. And then when they did the big re-release with the girly sound uh, tapes all on vinyl, I, I got that as well. The girly sound. So that was Curly Sounds was the demos and things she put out before this album came out that was she was like circulating through her friends. Oh, okay, okay. And I had heard about it, never you know, heard pieces here and there, but never heard them. And the first official release they got was when they did the big um, anniversary release of Exile and Guyville on vinyl, and they I got the deluxe version, so I got the Curly Sounds stuff okay. there too. Um. 
you know, as we were discussing before, like it, it, a time period when you, the biggest exposure was, was reading uh, in magazines yeah. and stuff. And I remember That was reading. like crack. Oh Just... man. And well, and then you had to like either make a shopping list or try to hold this information in your brain. Right. <laughs> and if you're going from a place so as rural as where I grew up in Uray there, I mean, the nearest place at the time where, you know, I could, you could get some cassette tapes at Walmart mm. 40 miles away. Not in your area. No, no, okay, no. Yeah. There was nothing in your area. Yeah. So they had that. Or you could go 90 miles up the road to Grand Junction, which mm. is where the mall was. And there were a couple of record stores there and 550? one downtown. Yeah. What's the, like, super dangerous? Is it Mollus Pass? No, well, that's, yeah, going over... Red Mountain is, Red, the, is the big one. Yeah, yeah. If yes. you're coming up from Durango, you go over Mollus, then you're in Silverton. Silverton, yep. you go over Red Mountain to Uray. Oh, oh, so it's between Silverton and Uray. So where between, it's like, yeah, that's yo. that. So Uray to Grand Junction, is it's relatively flat. That, okay. That one's always open. But anyway, so it's like I have to, you have to remember these things. And um, I remember reading that Rolling Stone cover story on Liz Fair. Um, friend of mine's brother had a subscription to Rolling Stone at the time. And then I was like struck by the cover. And oh yeah. Read the, read, oh, the, yeah. read the story and was like, Oh man, this sounds really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I got it. I, I, I liked it. I didn't, didn't fall right in love with it right away. Um, flash forward a bit to when I, I, was old enough to get my first car. Okay. Had an 89 Ford Taurus. Nice. Loved that thing. It would float bumps and everything. You know, you didn't hit a bump, you floated it. It was so heavy. <laughs> but it only had a cassette player. Right. And so I'm going through like, well, what do I have? I, I've I had this Liz Fair cassette tape that lived in that car. Um, Octung Baby lived in the car and a couple others. And that's where, you know, it was going out for those first times driving by myself, you know, cause it's like we all do when we get a car for the first time. It's like you're getting in your first bit of road time by yourself. Oh dude, I have cruising. zero errands to run, but yes. I will be gone for two and a half exactly. hours. And gas was cheap. Yes. So it's like, ah, yeah. And so like, you know, that's when I fell in love with, with this album. Um, it had the lyrical content for me was a perspective that, you know, being a guy of, you know, growing up the time I did, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear a lot of those things. I didn't hear any women talk about these things or write in this kind of way or even sing in the way she sang. Uh, and then one of the most influential things for me was I remember reading a, an interview where she was talking about, um, coming up with chord progressions mm. uh, and chords based on how her hand looked on the neck of the guitar instead of how it actually sounded. Oh, wow. And I interpreted that as something very different, I think, than what she probably meant. And that led me into uh, my first forays of just like, you know, inventing chord voicings and things that that aren't oh, technically cool. correct. Right. And that sort of thing to just get different kind of things, you know, uh, out of it. <laughs> And you know, yeah, that's all from from that album. I and I just have always loved it. Well, I you know am probably still playing a little bit of guitar, um, but I'm I'm probably done with lessons by the time <laughs> this comes out. Sure. Um, 
but you know, it's like I got Tuesday Night Music Club, I got uh, Tiger Lily, now you know, yeah. around, and then this one, uh, and I very, I was like, I, yeah, like where oh, yeah. I there, I, every time I look around, I'm like, where are the women? Like it's heart, you know, and uh, there, you know, what's, few others. What's but, interesting is I feel like we're in a time right now that's very similar. Absolutely, you got Adrian Linker with Big Thief that is just phenomenal. Okay. Like, Best songwriters I've heard, okay. you know, and Phoebe Bridgers and Arlo Parks, and I mean, massive, massive amounts of, of incredible songwriters out there that uh, at the moment are, are women. Right. Um, well, it's so um, definitely, in my opinion, got uh, a, a number of strong portions and several strong tracks. Um, and it took me uh, this re-listen. I, I've taken it out a couple times over the sure. years, and something I'll see something or whatever. But so you know, um, I think it's a it's a great record. It there are just parts for me that are a little droning. Hey, yeah. Um, but uh, it's and, and you know the, the it it's been a weird record for me over the years because like people have more or less kind of always said yeah this is and so it's like i don't i miss i gotta go back you know what i'm saying i gotta get sure. to and i've never been able to not that it doesn't deserve the praise no, that it's gotten no it I, does i'm that way with certain things okay um and certain artists and stuff that i don't get they don't do anything for me and never have right and it, you know horses for courses right so six foot one decent opener a uh, little droney until uh, track five, Never Said, which oh, man, I've so, always loved that one. There's, just, there's so many, you know, I'll never, I'll mesmerizing. Mesmerizing is the... Canary, Gunshy. I think Mesmerizing is probably the strongest yeah. track. Well, it's the most, you know, because there, there was always that mythical Rolling Stones connotation between Exile and right. Gunville and Exile and Main Street that, you know... The press and everybody else made way more out of that comment from her than than I than she meant. Of She's course. kind of walked that back. Uh-huh. But the only one on there that comes even remotely close to having anything Stonesy on it is mesmerizing. Because you got that, <laughs> yeah, that lead, yep. those lead licks, yep. kind of yep. two thirds of three yeah. quarters of the way through the song. Well, and I really like uh, uh, Brad Wood's production on okay. it too. Um, everything. It's another one that it, it kind of it has an atmosphere all the way through for that album. And it really doesn't sound like anything else mm. of its time period. Right. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, so, uh, we'll leap, uh, four years from 1993 XL and Guyville to, um, I mean, I remember to this day, peppermint patty at Southwest Sound when Bob Dylan's time out of mind came out. She was <sighs> like, the Grammys and Daniel Lanois. I was like, I don't know who Daniel Lanois is oh, and, man. at the time, at the well, time. Right. Um, but <sighs> so I leave Fort Lewis and, uh, or I leave Durango and a handful of years later, so I was on the newspaper staff. So I was like a psych major, but I was spending all my time in English and communications. I mean, I minored sure. in, in lit had a radio show for three years was a writer for the newspaper and then became the arts and entertainment editor and, and, you know, became good friends with the editorial staff of the paper, even to this day. So, uh, going back 
15, 16, 17 years ago, uh, we just, me and two of the, the managing editor of the time and the editor in chief of the time decided to start a blog. And it was like rooted, it was like sports blogs were popping up. So it's all about the rivalry between the Chiefs and the Broncos. And we, I mean, we were like making money. You know, we had ad plays. It was fun sure. until it wasn't for them anymore. Like, because I was, we're all three writing, but I'm kind of running the thing and saying, oh, here's what we're this week. And you have a deadline. And, and eventually it's like the chore joy scale. So I, I kind of start writing just by myself on it. Eventually I moved it all. I, I started a different one but um in the process of like kind of launching writing by myself i was like i'm gonna do uh the top 25 bob dylan albums nice. ever nice and that time i you know i as much as i consider myself a huge huge fan um there were i think there were 36 or 37 out at the time that i did this and i have paid almost no attention to what he's put out recently so i I know i'm missing like you know you know i i'm gonna tie this back into time out of mind by saying when it came out i was so happy that dylan was going back to releasing original music Mm. and it kind of kicked off another renaissance period and every album he put out after that was was good and then he started doing the you know um American songbook thing, like a lot, and those have been interesting. Okay, and it I, wasn't, it wasn't love a, and theft, modern times, and uh, and uh, together through life. No, I don't know that one. Tempest, Tempest, I know, um, I have. Uh, the, you know, those were all really good. And then he started. He did like, you know, two single albums of of you know old kind of standards, and then a triple album of standards called Triplicate. Mm. I got the first two and was like, okay, yeah, these are all right, but when are you going to get back to the Dylan we all know and love? I want to hear your words. Rough and rowdy ways. Oh my God. That last one he put out is just, I mean, here's a guy that, you know, 80 years old. He's spent more than a decade now putting out albums of covers, basically. Mm. And of course you're going to get people that, well, he's washed up again and then he comes out with rough and rowdy ways and it is just phenomenal is it it's great okay i mean i mean the guy can still push bump out a 16 minute song well so you know uh time out of mind was like that oh yeah i mean it was like it comes out and then it's with with daniel lenoir who i love his production he's somebody else that knows how to put atmosphere and make it a movie yeah yeah and I mean, I, I bought this and I just, it had come out. I, the cover intrigued me. I had not heard any of it um, and put the CD in the first time. And I mean, it comes on with love sick that dun, 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 you know, I'm, I'm walking. walking. You're just like, oh, jeez. So where are we? Are we, are we in a saloon? Uh-huh. The, but we just got there from the future. Oh like, man. And it's just like every song on this, dude. just like. So it's so hard and it's awesome. Yeah, and then you get uh is uh how's the riff go in uh 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 Dirt Road Blues yep. track two. Um so the way that I ended up breaking this and th- I took a picture, we had this big kind of like this craft table in the basement of our old house, and uh I ended up so I had most everything on cassette and my I had to obtain that which I didn't, so it was like 
a couple CDs, one piece of vinyl, and I think I got one or two things from the library on like interlibrary oh, yeah. loan. Nice. And then at the end of it, I took a picture of with all of them kind of sprawled out. Sure. So it was like I, I wanted it to be the top twenty-five. So I did day one. It was like three days in a row, I think. So day one, I did like twenty-five through uh, thirteen or twelve. And then day two, I did all the way to number one. And then day three, I was like, here's the ones that didn't make it. I'll say a little something about them. But Time Out of Mind wound up being number three for me. Hmm. Um, uh, Blood on the Tracks at one nice. and Blonde on Blonde at two. And ah. my one of my blog buddies, who's now, he's not writing anymore, but he's still reading. He was so mad. He's like, that garbage doesn't belong <laughs> oh, anywhere no, in the top. Man. I was like, you're crazy. This is genius. Um, well, and what I would have said about uh, what I would have picked to be top of my list for Dylan albums has, has definitely changed, but since I heard this one, uh, this has jumped up to being probably my, my all-time favorite. I mean... It's I I could make the same argument, but like I, there was a time when I probably would have put some of the the sixties output higher, um, but I find myself the albums of his I reach for the most uh, really are, are are ones that started like from like Oh Mercy mm. own um, that just continue to resonate. Oh, I mean they all do. I yeah, mean, I, Blood on the Tracks is just phenomenal. Desire, yeah, of course. Um, uh, you know, but and actually, one that I really like, and a lot of people, but Shot of Love, mm. Shot yeah. of Love, has yeah. Some, I mean, the groom's still waiting at the altar. Yeah. I mean, every grain of sand is yeah. just like, whoa. But yeah, um, time out of mind, man. Just well, it I've, is just a, a sonic stew that you can always go back to and get a nice big helping, and you feel full. I know. Like, so, okay, away. so I don't know how many albums I've looked up through 83 episodes but it's hundreds sure and then if you prior to you know i've i've always been a nerd like like reading at liner notes and looking at cover art and so i don't know but but this is the first time i've ever pulled up an album and uh numerous songs have their own wiki page uh, yeah and i was like what <laughs> is happening right now which is which makes me feel that my geeky glee for this record is, is warranted oh. you know i mean like well and 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 i was so i've loved the bootleg series they put out on Dylan. okay and uh, fragments which just came out which is the newest one that it centers around time out of mind mm. and it was re they did the original 11 is the first one, and it has been uh, kind of delanwad. Oh, it has um, Dylan and his people remixed, and um, well, he wasn't necessarily a hundred percent stoked with the final, right? No, and which is, I'm like, what? And I listened back, I listened to it because I was excited to hear the other outtakes and things that we didn't get on Telltale Signs and some of those, um, and I was just. Uh, they're great songs. I love that. I, I feel like it's a, it was just missing it for me. Mm. Having that Lamoir mm. kind of missed, yeah. washed away. <laughs> I was like, well, the songs are still great, but you know, I, I so love how this came out. Yeah. And I do love Daniel Lamoir's production work. And, um, 
coincidentally, if you, if you haven't read it, uh, Lamois, um, uh, memoir soul mining is well worth reading. Okay. And as a companion piece to that, um, uh, his main engineer through like this album, um, uh, Mark Howard mm. wrote a book too. Um, both of them are great. And, um, a lot of good information about the Oh Mercy cool. period and oh, this nice. period in nice. both of those books. Okay. And like I found them both cheap out used bookstores sure, or Amazon sure. or something, but they're worth reading and, and lots of interesting information in there. Well, so track three, Standing in the Doorway, Tony oh. Atwood writes that nowhere has Lost Love been portrayed so exquisitely, <laughs> adding, if Dylan had written nothing else, he would be worthy of a place in the Hall of Fame for this song alone. Which to, was stunning, uh, considering some of the difficulties that I'm reading about, like tw- uh, three drummers and oh, yeah. uh, all these uh, high-end musicians. Yeah. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Dylan himself said there was a time uh, when the songs would come three or four at a time but those days are long gone once in a while the odd song will come to me like a bulldog at the garden gate and demand to be written but most of them are rejected out of my mind right away you get caught up one in wondering if anyone really needs to hear it maybe a person gets to the point where they have written enough songs let someone else write them and i was like oh my god uh-huh. you're in my, you're amazing yes, yes. um <laughs> million miles oh. Uh, is great, but that's track four, track five, trying to get to heaven. Oh man, is that you know, kind of yes. oh, uh, till I fell in love with you is just groovy, oh, groovy blues, not dark yet. There you go. Oh. The beginning, I'm like, God, I need a Kleenex, mm-hmm. it's getting dusty in here. Uh, and let La- Lanois, I think, oh. really shines oh, on, man, on that one, totally. Um, cold irons bound, it's not dark yet, but it's getting there. Um, I can't even remember yeah. what it was I came here to get away from. Yeah, uh, yeah Cold Irons Bound, 715 oh, of man. Pure yeah. Bliss. Yep. Make you feel my love. I mean, I'm going to look at you until my eyes right. go blind. Right. I mean, jeez. <laughs> uh, so Cold Irons Bound, one of the drummers, David Kemper, uh, heard this Cuban beat um, and was like early at this yeah. when messing around with one and Dylan rolled in. He was like, "What? what is that? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Well, and he's like, no, just keep playing it." And then like got all the people in, and they two takes, yeah. And that was that tune. I was like, "What?" Well, and and, and what's really cool with some of that kind of influence was um, one of the albums Lamois had done right before this one was um, uh, Teatro with Willie Nelson. Oh, ninety six. Okay, which is one, uh, it's one of my favorite Willie Nelson records because it's it's such a big departure it's the only album willie's ever done that sounds like this because he totally lets lamois do his thing not even multiple, lifted the lid on the willie drummers okay. i mean emmy lewis singing oh nice and nice. you know and then lamois doing it. so some of that kind of feel and they actually started recording this at the uh, uh the teatro theater in oh. oxnard california okay before dylan was like look this isn't working i want to go back to working uh you know i think they did it uh, um uh the one down in florida that they mm-hmm. were using yep. this um so yeah there's some there's some crossover between that willie nelson album and this one, production okay i need i need i have not uh, ever sat down with 
any Willie record. Oh, uh, well, that's a, that one is, sounds like no other one. And if you okay. like the, the t- overall tone and atmosphere of I this do. one, I highly do. suggest Teatro Willie Nelson. Um, Jim Esch, all music, said Cold Iron's Bound sounds like it was mailed in from another time decades ago from the Midnight Blue Ether. I was like, that's uh, pretty that's spot pretty, on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait. Slick, slithery, oh. swanky, smooth, and then Highlands. Highlands is a, it is a 1631. journey. It is a journey where it just rides over the top of this Charlie Patton riff. Yeah. And, and takes you through so many different scenarios and vignettes of these different scenes from like, you know, this singing about love, hearts in the Highlands is over here. You know, I'm listening to Neil Young to, you know. Uh, I'm sitting in a restaurant and a waitress and a waitress's leg. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Um, the whole bit about, you know, Erica Young. Yeah. And all that. And, yeah. It's uh, some of the crispest, coolest guitar strums I think oh. I've ever, and, and that's some individual riffs in there. One of my favorite things about it is early on when the track comes on, as Dylan's waiting for his moment to come in and sing is that you can hear him breathing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just breathe right and you're like yeah that's just no traditional chorus or bridge and my favorite uh (laughs) manager came up to bob and said well bob (laughs) do you have a short version of that song and he said that was a short version (laughs) (laughs) yes like fuck yeah man totally um so from there we we take a a a slightly larger leap uh up to 2002 um and this is where Uncharted territory for me, Magneto, Ronnie Elliott. Oh, Magneto. Ma- sorry, Magneto. Uh, um, so Ronnie Elliott. Um, Ronnie, born in nineteen forty-seven. He's my dad's age. I met him at the Woody Guthrie Folk Festival years ago. Wow, where was that? Uh, Okima, Oklahoma, Woody's hometown. Oh yeah, yeah. I played okay. there a few times. And the, nice. And yeah, I was playing there, and I I met. Um, met Ronnie we were a lot of that festival go the best part of going there is um for hanging out in the hotel rooms and just jamming oh now there are two camps that go to play there there are the folk traditionalists that is like oh Woody Guthrie you know folk hero this the play the music just like it sounded and then you've got the more radical camp which is yeah Woody Guthrie was a great songwriter and a rabble rouser and that's why we're all here and so people kind of go into these camps. And Ronnie was a favorite of one of the, the festival promoters. And um, I got invited into this hotel room, and it was Ronnie. And I sat down. It's just like four or five of us trading songs. And that was the first time I heard Ronnie Elliott. And his songs just knocked me down. They were They were so... There's songs that don't worry about offending anybody or whether somebody might think it's off color. Like he's got a song on another album that's um, written from the perspective of Jack the Ripper. Mm. Okay. (laughs) You know, where you're like, whoa, okay. That dude that killed a bunch of people? (laughs) Okay, all right. Um, And anyway, one of the songs he did in that hotel room was a song off of of the album Magneto here that's... um, uh, last one standing okay and you know which opens with the lyric you know i had a dream last night i yes. was talking to johnny cash got, yeah and he he does that song I'm like, man that song's amazing 
Um, and that's the reason I went out and bought this, uh, this album, uh, after that. Um, uh, and just and coincidentally that song, um, there was a Jerry Lee Lewis record, one of the last ones he put out that was like a collection of him playing with other people doing his songs. And it was called last man standing. Oh, funny. That title came from this song. Cause okay. somebody had heard this and song. Nice. And eventually, you know, mentioned it to Jerry Lee and they used that, um, mutual friend that Ronnie had. So, uh, but yeah, Ronnie's an interesting guy. He is, um, in his career, uh, he was in a band that opened for Jimi Hendrix once. Okay. The band was called your local bear. Huh? He promoted shows in the Tampa area, um, for the Allman brothers and all kinds of people. Um, he played bass in a band called Duck Butter. <laughs> I think that, I saw that. That went on the road. Great with name. Playing, uh, backing up Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry. Right. Um, Ronnie has just stories to beat the band. Well, um, this this is really uh, peculiar for me. Um, so uh, it looks like this is record four of eight for him, 14 tracks, 58 minutes. You, you got to dig a little bit to find it, but it's, it's anyway. Uh, yeah. um, so it starts and I'm like, this is really excellent songwriting. I'm getting Towns Van Zandt. I'm getting Johnny Cash. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, oh, he like, he's definitely trying to sound like Johnny Cash. And yet that's just his speaking voice. Well, so <laughs> here's the like I'm really digging it and then I got to a point where it was like um, you know, I I can't always listen to every track on every sure. record yeah, start to finish on everybody's list. Yeah. So sometimes um, you know, I'll get to a I'll listen to like the first 3 or 4 tracks and then I'm kind of scanning and if something grabs me, then I'll listen to the whole thing. I literally could not bring myself away from this record. And it's like one song ends and I'm like, this is where we're going to get the drop off and stuff's going to be not, not sucky, but less awesome. And then it's like track 12 track 30. I'm like, God yeah, damn, this is. is an incredible record by a dude I've never heard of before. Yeah. And, uh, Ronnie's songs, there's a lot of history in them. He's somebody that, as he'll tell you, he was he was born with rock and roll. Mm. He's got a song called Born in 1947, uh, which is the year he was born in the year that, um, you know, Rocket 88 comes out, which is supposedly the first rock and roll record. Oh, for real? That's what they say. Okay. Um, Jackie Brinston, which was actually Ike Turner and his band, uh-huh. cut Rocket 88. Uh, and Hank Williams at that time uh, comes out with Love Sick Blues, which okay. was the first country one to feature right. a heavy backbeat, which you know Hank got from T-Tot. So Ronnie is, comes up with all that, but he's also a big fan of like you know the beat writers. And mm, that's all why of, like, I love the him. Jazz, bop, cool. And the rock and roll, and, and he and he writes himself into that yeah into that because obviously i mean he's come you know born in 47 the time he's really getting there he's kind of that is already a bygone type yeah. thing yeah um but obviously there's a love there and, and and it comes out in his writing and the history and the things he tells are like his just interest in art history i mean you know the song degas in mm. new orleans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <it's> just, <laughs> 
40 masterpieces in five months' time painted while he watched the temperature climb. I mean, well, you know, it's sort of like uh, I'm not not trying to sound uh, creepy or condescending or anything, but it's like I initially I'm putting it on out of obligation and curiosity, sure. and then I'm like, there's something compelling, there's something intriguing. And then it's like I go through all these different experiences because, like, the songwriting's good, the musicianship's good, and all of a sudden it's like I, I feel like I really trust this dude. <laughs> like I'm in his den around yeah. his hearth, and he's playing. And it's like I don't want to go home. I mean, sure, it's I, I, I've never had an experience quite like that with a first listen. And I think you know. Uh all of his, I love all of his records. Nice. Um, he has not put out a new one since um, 2012. I've tried to encourage it, but <laughs> it hasn't happened. Um, so yeah, I met Ronnie at the, at the Woody Guthrie Folk Fest. We played in this hotel room. There's something the like next, that. The next year I played with him again in that hotel room. Okay. We got to know each other. Uh, in 2008, he and I did a tour of Colorado together. No kidding. I just wanted to... I just wanted to hear him play more and spend more time around him. And so I sure. hit him up and, uh, you know, he's like, well, if you set it up, I'll come play it. Right. So I pick him up at the airport in Denver. I've got, you know, headed to the first gig and he's like, well, how you want to do this? I was like, well, I figured I'd open for you. He goes, no, let's just pull up two chairs and uh, we'll just trade songs all night. Mm -mm. Did I'm you like, do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's how we did That's it. Cool. Um, you know, Ronnie's a very humble guy with lots of stories. Um, sure. You know, Elvis once offered to teach him karate. <laughs> Funny. Um, <coughs> you know, and he lived in Tampa, Florida for, for years. And then, um, was it two years ago now? He uh, reconnected with this uh, woman who had been married to a friend of his, been widowed. Mm-hmm. They connected, mm. and so he moved to Wales, and they actually just got married this last week. Like the United Kingdom? Yes. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. a, a left turn I wasn't expecting. No, no. Um, you know, he's also somebody that as I talk to him, he's like, I kind of just write songs when I need to make another album. It blew me away that it's like he tells me he's not just writing all the time. And um, over the years, he's, he's put out a couple of new things just, singing in front of his computer on like a, oh, you know, wow. a Facebook page. Yeah. But since 2012, he's not released another album. And I, when he was still in Florida, I'm like, man, you know, I would love to come down and help you make another one. I, just I mean, there's a sequel it, but... to this, I think out there, Ronnie. You know? Oh man. Well, I mean, his last one, um, uh, actually there was a song off of it that, uh, I covered on the first, uh, uh, album i did that had a rat at cowboy on it which was land of sawdust and spangles and the song okay. was um heart that can't be broken hmm. um and losers lullaby for this one i've done lots live uh just man it's just one of those records of just i'm just blown away every well, time i hear it it was uh you know so like i've uh, we've you know uh, going one two three like these are familiar Sure. Uh, and, and it's straight into unknown. So <laughs> when I was done with this, uh, I was like, Joe Henry has got some fucking <laughs> shoes to fill. Cause it was like three things that I sure. dig on varying yeah, yeah. levels. And then a, a surprise that was amazing. And so, 
that's this is just that's O two, and then we go to two thousand three for Tiny Voices. Oh yeah, three no nine of seventeen, twelve tracks, sixty five minutes. Um, let's see uh, another thing that I came across. I think when Waits was recording with Mark Rabot and Keith Richards, what album that would have been, I can't recall, but it was like. Oh, yeah. um, rain dogs so he like has an album written yeah. right and he just quick little acoustic version and then okay everybody go and mm-hmm. it's like no rehearsing yeah. anyway I, I guess uh joe so uh an assembled group of accomplished musicians to re- record this and he just gave them basic demo variations and said we'll learn it while we're recording and uh, that for me that's anxiety you know like um but how did you so i came to this album um first time i heard about joe henry was when he produced the solomon burke record um don't give up on me okay which won a grammy and i love that and it was a a little music store in montrose colorado which is up the road from your radio Mm -hmm. and I, i i knew the owner and i would stop in there and i was going on about how great I thought that Solomon Burke record was. And he said, I didn't think it was that good because I don't think you really can have a soul record without horns. And Mm. I I didn't think it was, I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I mean, these arms of mine by Otis Redding does not have horns on it because they'd all gone home. Um, anyway, so he's like, well, if you like that, he's like, you might like this. And he throws me a promotional copy of tiny voices. Really? And he's like, cause I don't, I don't care for this guy's production. I don't care for this guy's songs. Here you go. And I was like, man, this album cover is super cool. It absolutely. And I forget is. the name of this photographer that from the forties who took that picture. Mm. Um, but, um, uh, anyway, so he gives me that I was at the record store that day to pick up a, a, a copy of the posthumous Joe Strummer and the Mescalero's mm. album street core. And Joe Strummer keeps cropping up every time I turn my head, and I'm like, what? Uh, Joe Strummer's just near and dear to my heart. Okay. But, so that's what I went there to buy, and, and I, I I got this this Joe Henry one, too. and It was kind of a, a, a misty, cloudy day there in that southern part of Colorado, and, and you know, starting to get cooled down, and... and I drove back and in, in like this mist and rain and, and I wanted to devote my listening just to the, the Joe Strummer one when I got home and put it on the stereo nice. so in the car. I was like, I'll see what this Joe Henry one is all about. And I put it in and from the, the opening little sputter of the <laughs> that starts off this afternoon, track one, it just went with the weather and everything. And instantly I was sucked into this and then there's like the lyrics there's the atmosphere there's everything and and so i funky that that opening track is funk and then it like kind of grinds into a halt at the end i was like what was that and then it goes right into animal skin which you're like could be a tom Waits song well i don't think we across the rest of the tracks i don't think he ever revisits that feel in track one and yeah i'm a huge joe henry fan now he's one of my all-time favorite songwriters um, but this was the first album of his I got, and I started going back and getting his other albums that I could, and then every new one he's put out ever since. And 
this one kind of stands as as a singular one in his catalog. It's the only one that sounds exactly like this. Mm. Um, the ones before it had a were kind of funky, but they were a little more polished studio wise. And then after this one, um, I felt like he kind of started pulling back from the big productions. And with each album, he's kind of stepped it down a bit until he started doing, you know, these pretty acoustic albums with just his his son Levon mm. contributing, um, you know, clarinet and saxophone. Cool. And so very acousticy. And then his most recent one is kind of adds a little more of that back in, but keeping more of the acoustic feel. And then he's produced albums I, for a lot of people. You, the I mean, guy that threw this, said, "I don't care for his production." Yeah. His list of production, <laughs> I was like, what? Yes. I mean, Ani DeFranco, Amy Mann, Susan Tedeschi, Elvis Costello, Loudon Wainwright Third, Bonnie Raitt, Billy Bragg, Alan Toussaint, Joan Baez. Yes. That's just me cherry picking yes. names that I know. There was two ti- three times oh, more. Yes. I, I've, I've loved his production work. I, I love his songwriting. This album um, just always is, a, is just a perennial favorite for me i can always put this on in fact i was with all five of these albums i i kind of just made myself a a a, a playlist just on my phone of those five and uh you know last week you know i did that and so i'll get around to listening to those and then i was sitting there and just nothing i was putting on to listen to while i was doing yard work or walking the dog was like catching me Mm mm-hmm I'm like, I'll just throw this on and instantly. Your playlist? Just hit shuffle of these five albums, shuffling through, and and just instantly it was like, man, I'm still so much in love with every one of these. Like the the songs, just, you know, I know the words to all of them. It's a good feeling. Yeah, it's like, you know, know, it's like old friends. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So, yeah, I just, yeah, Tiny Voices, Joe Henry. Nice. Just an amazing record. Good stuff. Um, so I'd kind of like to wrap with, uh, sure. f- five funny finishers and okay. funny meaning goofy and awkward, not hilarious. Okay. Um, so number one, uh, is there a go-to band or album that if you hear, you're like, absolutely not. And you got to like leave the room or ask somebody to turn it or, uh, there, there, are, there are, there are quite a few. Um, my, so funny cause my daughter always is like, what's a song you hate dad? And I'm, I stumble over that because I'm like, they're there, but I, I try to block them out of my mind. I know. I'm not a Grateful Dead fan. Okay. Uh, I absolutely can't stand Dave Matthews' band. <laughs> I put my. I was getting a little Dave from Joe Henry. I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, I put my foot in my mouth once. I was I was in college, and I was over at a good friend of mine's house, and I had been in the bathroom, and I come out, and this music is playing. And, I mean, it sounds like third-rate Dave Matthews and I'm like what the hell is this Dave Matthews shit and my buddy John looks at me and goes it's, uh, it's Luke's new thing I'm like oh oh shit sorry about that <laughs> I was just playing and I just turned around with my beer and walked straight back out of the room like yeah, nothing, to, nothing to add to that I no, no I dead to. no Dave no, no 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 others no real modern country stuff okay I I really can't take a lot of like, uh, like I don't like, I don't like Rush. I don't like Journey. Okay. I don't like that sure. period. Yeah. It's just 
doesn't do anything for me. Right. Um, okay. Are you you're um, graced with the ability to have lunch with anyone you choose, dead or alive? Who's it going to be and why? Um. You know, I. It would be fun to say you had a sat down and had a drink with uh, with Bob Dylan or, mm. or Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Um, Tough to top. It is. Uh, I've met some people um, that got to have lunch with Bruce Springsteen. Okay. They were coming out of a, they just had lunch and were coming out of this pub in New York and they're standing there talking about what to do next. And they see this, you know, vintage Corvette coming down the road. Like Mm. one of them hits his buddy and I was, dude, check this car out. He's like, we're like just eyeballing this car and it stops right across the street from this pub we're coming out of. And we realize that's Bruce Springsteen driving that. And the guy's like, you know, we go over and we're like fawning all over the car. Like this car is great. And they said, Bruce was like, yeah, you know, I'm on a break from the studio. I'm walking in this pub to have lunch. And they said, we just came out of there. And he's, Oh, okay. Well, I'll buy you guys a beer. Come sit, sit with me. And so they went back in and they said, they sat there for an hour and a half while Bruce had lunch and, drank a beer and they drank a couple beers and said he stood up through a generous tip on the table said, well i gotta go guys and said he just treated them like they i were just saw lost best friends i just saw a clip of the details are gonna escape me but it's like he was somewhere random and ended up like talking to this family and i don't know if he helped them or they helped him out, out of a pickle or whatever but he ended up like going to their home and having a meal. And then like every time since then that he comes through it there, stopped, he yeah. goes and sees them Yeah, and hang. And they're like buddies. I was like, that's pretty cool. Seems like pretty, pretty awesome. So a game we play in my house a lot with the, uh, cause my, my wife and her parents were big, big Beatles fans. Okay. As is, you know, I am everybody, but the game is, you know, okay. May not be your favorite Beatle, but who do you hang out with? Like, well, John Lennon strikes me as somebody who could be a bit of an asshole. Probably not the best hang. George could probably have a deep conversation. Probably not going to be the best hang. Paul seems like somebody who just would be busy. Yeah. My choice is always Ringo. Okay. If I'm going to hang, Ringo seems like the dude to hang with. He, he played Zappa in 200 motels. <laughs> exactly. That's cool points for me right there. <laughs> and he's Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay. So true or false. Okay. It is okay and acceptable to wear the t-shirt of the band whose show you're going to tonight to the show. Yes. Yes. True. Okay. Uh, you are given the power to visit your past self at any age. What age are you choosing and what are you saying? If you, if you wind up speaking, um, I would say probably uh, 18-year-old me. Okay. And I would say be more bold. Really? Yes. To to the guy that's been gigging live for six years? Y- yeah, be more but bold? I, I could have been bolder. Okay. I could have been, uh, uh, you know, yeah. There was a lot of times I played it safe. Okay, right on. Uh, um, last but not least, complete this for me, please. The world would become an immediately better place in which to live, if only. Hmm. 
Ooh, the world will become a better place to live. If only. Wow, that's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to put that much pressure on any one thing. <laughs> I've, had, I've heard uh, if people would listen to each other, if people would be listen to music, if we'd stop using so much plastic. I mean, it's run oh, the yeah. gamut. I mean, I mean, a it, lot of things. All those are true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but that's a lot of pressure yeah. on any one thing. It is. That's fair. Uh, I only recently been learning about the, the the PVC alternatives that have been developed so that we can have records that aren't toxic to the world we live in. Oh, okay. Um, and there's a few companies that are trying to do that. I started going down this rabbit hole the other night because I saw that Michael Stipe is releasing something new on um, Evo Vinyl or Interesting. something like that, which wow. is an, a PVC alternative. So it okay. would be a, a biodegradable cool. alternative. Yeah. Nice. So technology. Well, Till Willis, I hey. very much appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. We've got uh, the Till Willis and then the Till Willis and Erratic Cowboy stuff is on your band camp. Yep. Um, and then Concrete Cedars has as, one. Has a band camp. And, and Solo Hawk Solo has Hawk. a band camp. And yeah. now are there social medias for? Uh, there are for Solo Hawk and for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that can be found through tillwillis.net or solohawkmusic.com. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. I really appreciate you taking hey, the time. thank you so much. This has been fun. All right, man. Thanks. Yep. See ya. Yep. Thank you.